Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Uh, I want to talk a little bit tonight about uh, our pastors and supporting the pastor and praying for the pastor. We'll look at some things tonight. And we've, like I said, we've talked about this before in the past, but it's been um, several years. And uh, like I said, uh, it's not something uh, that I do because I have to, because I believe I do it because I believe it's something that's important to us. And as a church, that it's vital that we keep certain things in front of us. You know, uh, Scripture says, you know, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Well, he is the author and the beginner of this church, but I believe he also wants to continue and complete what he's called this church to do. And so, you know, our participation in that is important, and and we've got a role to play, each of us. You've got a role to play in this church doing what it needs to do and us growing and and not just a number but but an influence uh, naturally speaking, but also influence in the kingdom of, in the, in the realm of the spirit, the kingdom of God. And so, uh, these are things that are important to us. And so go with me over to Ephesians, the uh, fourth chapter. And, uh, these are, uh, important truths. I believe they're, they're vital, uh, to us. And, and it's very important as a congregation, we're aware of these things and taking our place. And, and, uh, so we're gonna look at just a few things tonight in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Praise God. Do you love him tonight? Amen. I know you do. I know he loves you too. Praise the Lord. Ephesians chapter 4. I'll read out of the New King James Bible. It said, He himself gave some to be apostles. Now notice this. He himself, this is speaking from God, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You can see the, the reason here that that God and place these gifts in the church are for specific reasons, and they're important. How many think that uh, the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry is vital? If you don't think it's vital now, you'll think it's vital one day when you stand before Jesus and he asks, what did you do? You'll know that this was an important part of your life. So for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, we don't want a weak body of Christ, we want a strong body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man. I believe we all have some work to do, don't we? Amen. I know I've got some work to do, and I I imagine some of you do too. Uh, Till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I tell you, we can never think that we've arrived because our, our uh, measuring stick, the measuring uh, guide is the stature of Jesus himself. So we've all got some work to do, right? So that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the tricker of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into all th- or in, into grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. You know, you've got a part. According to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, I believe that if every member of, uh, of the body of Christ and then every member of a local body would see the fact that they've got an important part to play and a role that if they're doing it, that the importance of them being in their place and doing uh, what God has called them to do and, and not taking a break, not taking time off, but being on the job all the time, I tell you, it causes great benefit for everybody. 
and it causes us to grow. And so, uh, like I said, the, the subject tonight is really a part of our responsibility and the things that we've been asked to do. But I'm going to read these, these verses to you out of the New Living. I just love the New Living Bible. It's my personal go-to uh, for my own personal time. But uh, it says now, this is like I said, the same verses in the New Living. So now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue till we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be no, we will no longer, uh, we will be, that we will be mature in the Lord measuring. I, I print so small. Sometimes I lose myself here. Uh, this, this will continue until we all come to such a unity in the faith. I'm having to pull this away all of a sudden. In the unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind and new teaching. We'll, we will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. I tell you what, the, the, the body of Christ is the most marvelous thing that's out there. And it is such, a, such an important force and has such an important role in the earth today uh, that, you know, we, we, we need to value this and see our place in this, but then value each other and value the, the place, the parts that God has placed here. And, and these specific uh, verses starts off talking about the ministry gifts and the role that they have in our life. They're really huge. Without these, these ministry gifts, uh, um, you know, we would not be mature. This is a part of us maturing. But the truth is, without you doing your part, the body won't mature, right? Without you being who God's called you to be. And, and something that Keith Moore said years ago that has always stuck with me, and, and I'll just throw this out there, that it really doesn't matter what it is specifically God has called you to do. Now, you need to know what that is for you. But as far as importance in the kingdom of God, or as far as God's reward for your faithfulness, one job is not more important than, than the other. They're important if you do what he called you to do. And no matter what your role is, if you'll do that, you'll get the same reward. You'll get the same reward of faithfulness if you'll do what he's asked you to do. And so that should be encouragement to us to, to know what our job is, but then stay in our lane, so to speak, and to do what God has called us to do, and, and uh, God will reward us. Amen? But like I said, you know, the role of the ministry gifts are huge, and, and uh, specifically you know, the, the office of the pastor is the main gift that God uses in the everyday life of the believer. I don't know about you, but you know, uh, I don't talk to uh, evangelists so-and-so that often. Pastor Christopher, you know, Brother Christopher, we, they call him Pastor Christopher now. Africa. He's a friend of mine, and we keep, we keep up on uh, uh, WhatsApp. We talk, and he'll send me pictures of something crazy he's eating. Well, he eats some just awful stuff. But anyway, he'll send me some pictures, or, or maybe send me a picture of a crusade they're in, or a video of something that happened the night before. And I appreciate that, and, and that's a wonderful thing. And he and I have close fellowship. Uh, the Walkers were in town yesterday, passing through town, Rich and Daphne, so we went, or on Friday, and uh, we went out to dinner with them, had a great time. They're good friends. And, and, uh, but you know, the, 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 the individual that inflect, or, uh, influences my life the most, as far as ministry-wise, is my pastor. Now, I may be one of the pastoral staff, but he's still the senior pastor, and he has such a huge influence on my life, and really, that's where God is, uh, 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 the help that he has placed here is in the office of the pastor, because there's one that you can, 
You can evaluate their life. You can look at what they're teaching. You can follow them. Uh, like I said, Pastor Christopher, Brother Christopher, you know, I know he's a man of God, but I don't follow him day to day. I don't know what he's doing every day. I don't hear him on a weekly basis, but you have the influence of your pastor for those things. And, and as someone that uh, uh, is in the ministry and, and even uh, in, in the position I'm in, I still value that. And it's very important uh, for my own well-being and progress that these things, that we value these things. Amen. And like I said, this is not a pro-individual thing. It's a pro-gift thing. It's a, it's a pro-office and, and position that Jesus himself has placed in the church. Amen. This is something from God. This is something that he has ordained. And, and so, you know, it's important that we, we know what these things are and that we uh, handle uh, some, some things and look at these things properly. Go over to Matthew chapter 9, Matthew the ninth chapter. Look at a few scriptures here. Matthew chapter 9. I tell you, the role of the, the, the pastor is so important in our life. Like I said, I feel like this is a part of my responsibility when they're not around from time to time to bring these things up. And, and it's been several years, but... Um, you notice when they're gone, if you come on Monday nights, we spend time praying for them on Monday nights because that's important that we do. And uh, we want to we make sure that our prayers stay effective when we do that. Let's keep it focused. Why, what are we doing? But here in Matthew, the ninth chapter, it's uh, verse 36. This was Jesus speaking. Of course, you know, they, uh, they were out ministering and, and uh, Jesus came out and he saw that uh, they were bringing all the sick people his way. In verse 36, he saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And so uh, their weariness and scatteredness was a direct reflection of the fact they didn't have a shepherd, someone to guide them. And, you know, as, as awesome as Jesus was, he realized that he needed to replicate himself. And for the ones who followed him on a daily basis, he was shepherding them, but there's so much work to be done. He couldn't be everywhere at one time. They needed a shepherd there to lead them. We talked about David this morning, you know, uh, those sheep valued and needed the shepherd. No matter how old he was, they needed the shepherd. And because there was protection there and provision there and guidance there. Well, you know, as the sheep of God, we need these things. We need the pastor's role there. And then Jesus went on to say, he said to his disciples that harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Pray therefore that the Lord of the harvest send out labors into the harvest. I believe part of those labors are pastors being sent out, shepherds being sent out, to care for the flock, to care for, for those that God has entrusted it to us. Go to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter, the, the fifth chapter. We're going to look at several scriptures tonight and give, give your fingers a good workout. But it's good to read the word. Uh, in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, We'll start in the first verse. It says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. And of course, this is Peter obviously writing here, talking to the elders uh, in the area. He said, I'm a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a, partake, a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Uh, let's see, is that where I want to be? Yeah. He said, shepherd the flock of God which is among you. The Amplified uh, for that shepherd, the flock of God, which is among you, the Amplified says, tend, nurture, guard, guide, and fold the flock of God. That is, that is your responsibility. 
And so Peter, you know, as a pastor of the pastors in that area, was telling them these elders uh, that he was talking to the pastors, called them elders. He was talking to them, and he said, listen, this is your job to tend, to nurture, to guard, to guide, and to fold the flock of God. That is your responsibility. And if that is a responsibility, of course, we know that the word is inspired by God. If that is their responsibility, then there is, there is, that is available to us from them, nurturing, guiding, guarding, and folding. And so he said, that's your responsibility. He told them to serve as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. And so, you know, uh, these are uh, not being lords over those entrusted to you. And so we can see where God himself actually entrusts people to a local group uh, underneath a pastor to lead the, that congregation. And God is entrusting them. You know, I look at it like my children. You know, they're, they're my children, but God is entrusting them to me. And even though they're my kids, first and foremost, they're his kids. And I know the responsibility I have is to train them and to teach them, not just in the ways of Anderson, but in the ways of God, right? Not just in the things that we like that are dear to us, but more importantly, to teach and to train them in the ways of God, to teach them in the way that they should go. Why? So they can do what God's called them to do, right? And so even though they're mine, I'm really their, their, their gods. And so, uh, you know, the Lord entrusts members to a congregation and trust them to a pastor. And so it's their job to lead and to do these various things. And so, uh, uh, so we need to recognize that and to follow, you know, it's an okay thing to follow. And sometimes, you know, you may not always agree with everything. And it's a side thought. You may not always agree with everything, but that's all right. That's a part of obeying God, you know, and, 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 and submitting yourself to submission and agreement are two different things. And, and, um, you know, I will say this, you know, uh, no pastor is perfect, but they are called by God. And uh, no pastor makes all the right decisions, but they are gifted by God. And there is a grace upon their life to do the job that's not upon somebody's life who's not been called to do it. And we've got to recognize that. And so uh, really, and, and the things we'll talk about really helps them be more effective in their job, which is for our benefit as well. Part of their job is to feed the flock. Go over to Acts, the 20th chapter. Now, if we didn't have a, a, a pastor here or someone to, to lead the church, how many know there wouldn't be much feeding going on? That's part of the role of the church uh, that when we come together is to be edified, to be fed. In Acts, the 20th chapter, we'll look in the uh, 28th verse. Paul was writing here. He said, uh, therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Uh, the King James says, take heed there, therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. I can tell you, there isn't a minister worth his salt out there uh, that doesn't go about this from the, from, the, from the perspective that this is an important thing, this is a holy thing, something that was purchased by the very blood of Jesus. And um, I know my, my folks, you know, Pastor and Pastor Angela, they look at it this way. I know Amy and I, we look at it this way. Steve and Rachel look at it this way. This is a holy thing. This is, a, uh, this is not just something mildly we do. And I'll tell you this, when people are put in places of leadership in the church, they're done by the direction of the Spirit. People, you know, the pastor following his heart and putting people in role, various roles, various places. And it's not just done flippantly. It's done because uh, we realize this is vital and this is God's sheep purchased with his own blood. And uh, you want people like that in your life, amen? 
Go over to 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter, 1 Timothy chapter 4. So they're here to feed, to feed us and to uh, encourage us, right? But they're also here to protect us as well and, and protect us from various things. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, the first verse, it says, Now the Spirit expressly says, this means he explicitly says, that in a latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. How many know that those are out there? Did you know those are out there? And sometimes they're even found on Christian television. <laughs> Just because it's got Christian attached to it doesn't mean it's necessarily good. But uh, in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, a hot iron, forbidding to marry and, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word and prayer. Verse 6, if you instruct the brethren in these things, you'll be a good minister of Christ, nourished in the word of, the, of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. And so instructing brethren in these things in the correct doctrine, the things that are, are correct and things that are right, and, and protecting and helping steer through these things that are out there. The enemy places things even amongst groups, amongst the church, tries to get in there and infiltrate uh, to get the church off track. And else, you know, if you look back over the history of our church for 30 some odd years, we have a, a pretty good track record of avoiding those things. And, uh, you know, we've got strong pastors that appear that, that love you and, and are, are endeavoring to, to follow these things. And we've really been avoided. We've avoided a lot of stuff. You know, growing up in a, in a minister's home, you see a lot of the stuff that goes on in, in other churches. You know, you hear a lot of stuff, and, and we've been very blessed. And, uh, and they've done a good job, but we've had a praying church over the years in these areas. And, and we want that to continue. We want that protection to remain. Amen? I know Paul in, 20, in Acts 20 had said that after his departure, savage wolves would come in. And trying to deceive people. And so, you know, there are those out there that would like to do that, to infiltrate. And uh, it's important that, that our leadership be in a place where they recognize those things. Like I said, we're not talking lifting up an individual, but, but we know there's grace upon the lives of those God's places in these positions to do that and to see things that we don't always see. And uh, so that's a blessing to us. And so, uh, you know, there's been an, an unprecedented push to adopt certain doctrines uh, in the past. And we want to make sure we're sheltered from those things. I want to read this to you out of the uh, book, The Ministry Gifts by Kenneth Hagin. This was something that um, he taught, Brother Hagin himself taught uh, when we were out at Rama. And um, now when we were there, you know, Brother Hagin uh, was traveling a lot doing the Holy Ghost meetings and he was on the road all the time, and there were only a few classes that he still taught while we were out there. But this is one that it was his class. He taught it every, every year. He made sure that he taught it, it was very dear to him. And um, we have the textbook from that class. And if anybody wants to, to read it, uh, you can go to Raymond, get a copy of it. No, I'm kidding. If you want to borrow it from me, that's fine. Uh, but talking about the, he's talking about all the different ministry gifts uh, in here and, and, and the different ones. And, and uh, he talked about the, the, the pastor, the role of the pastor. He said the pastor is one of the most important offices. He said without the ministry gift of, pa of, the, without the ministry gift of pastor operating in the body of Christ, uh, then all, 
without the ministry gift of the pastor operating the body of Christ, then all other ministry is practically in vain. No matter how great the evangelist is, how many he gets saved, if there's not someone to shepherd the lambs, to pastor and to take them on in God, they're apt to fall by the wayside. You know, that's one of the things I appreciated when we were, uh, in the time we go with uh, Christopher to Africa, he works in conjunction with the churches. I had somebody ask me that uh, uh, at last week, text me, you know, what, what do they do in these crusades when they, when, they, when they go out and they have these crusades and all these people get born again? I said, well, um, you know, they work with the local pastors and actually near the end of the crusade, they bring them up on the platform and, and uh, have them introduce themselves and tell the name of their church and give directions on how to get there. And, and uh, they, after all of the, the people who respond to, to an altar call, they have workers, you know, out in the, out in the crowd with connections cards or info cards and they'll say, you know, go find one of the guys with the red sash and go find one of them and fill a card out and give it back to them. Well, they take those cards and they distribute them amongst the pastors who are working with the crusade in the area. And there might be 10, 15, 20 different pastors, 20 different churches that are working. And uh, I know the church that I ministered on the Sunday after the crusade uh, was in a, a township, one of the, the, the provinces of, of Lusaka, other side of town. And uh, he had enough cards that would have tripled their church if all of those people showed up. People that were just in his area, but would have tripled their church. But they were very careful to make sure that the people who are being reached are tended to that are being, being fed and being taken care of. Brother Hagin went on to say in the same way, it's the same way in the natural realm, no matter how many babies are born in a large city hospital, if someone doesn't care for them, they'll die. And so, you know, the people that we reach want to make sure we're taking good care of them. Well, uh, that you need that, that constant contact. You need that care and that touch. He goes on to say, no other office is given so much instruction in the New Testament as, it is, the, as is the pastoral office. Virtually no instruction is given to the apostle, to the apostle, no instruction is given to the evangelist, little instruction is given to the other offices, but when you consider that elder, overseer, and bishop are all referring to the pastoral office, more direct instruction is given to the office of the pastor than any other office. And so we know that a lot of this instruction is given to elders, to pastors on how to do it, but also... When you see instructions on, the, on how they're to do it, it also gives us an indication how we're to receive from them. And so it doesn't do us any good if they're to do it in a certain way if we resist those ways because that's how God set it up. And so, you know, being open to these things and aware of these things are, are very important. They're there for our protection. Amen. And so the number one thing we can do for our pastors is to pray for them. Now go over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And I'm glad, you know, we're, we're a praying church uh, but, you know, if tonight, if nothing else, if we can get a, a few more of us on board praying for Pastor, Pastor Angela, myself, and, and Amy, Stephen, Rachel, it'll be a success. Because the more people that can help uh, uh, do these things, the more we can accomplish. Uh, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, we'll read. Now, of course, these are closing remarks, this first letter uh, to the church here Paul was writing. These are all good things, and, and you can see the importance that Paul places on these various things. Anytime you're closing a letter out, you're leaving your last thoughts, they're the last things you want to leave with somebody, things to remember, right? When Jesus left, don't go anywhere until you get the baptism, until you receive the baptism. It was of such importance to them. Well, Paul is wrapping things up here, and he said, uh, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pretty important, right? He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. Verse 25, brethren, pray for us. 
And then he goes on to say, greet all the brethren with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord uh, that this epistle be read to all the holy brethren. Uh, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. But notice verse 25, brethren, pray for us. Notice he didn't say non-brethren pray for us. He said brethren pray for us. It is our responsibility to do this. I'll say it, it's your responsibility to do this. It's our responsibility to do these things. We must pray for the pastors. We must pray for them. God gave us these shepherds, not traveling ministers, and so we want to make sure we pray for these ministry gifts above everything else. Thank God for praying for traveling ministers, but praying for our pastor is vitally important. And, of course, you know, you, you know in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you can look there. Uh, he was talking to the church here in, in Corinth. He said, uh, he said, I pray in tongues more than you all, right? Verse 18, Proverbs, or 1 Corinthians 14, 18. He said, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul was a praying man, but he also still needed their prayers. Prayer is needed because there's a lot of opposition. You know, I can tell you that there are a lot of things that come along, along the way that, that you may not always be aware of, things that come up that... Uh, Having the prayer of those that you're leading is such an important thing. Paul wrote, and in, in you're there in the 14th chapter. If you go to chapter 16, he wrote this. He said, um, in the fifth, fifth verse, he said, uh, Now I'll come to you when I pass through Macedonia, for I'm passing through there. He said, and, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not wish to see you now, but on the way, but I hope to stay with you a while, if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has been opened to me, and there are many adversaries. He said, "A great door has been opened to me, but there are many adversaries." You know, there, there, if, if the role of the pastor is something that is vital to us, we know that to our development, to us growing, maturing in the things of God, you know there's going to be a lot of opposition to them as well. There's going to be a lot of opposition that comes their way. And, you know, various things that come up, pressure, uh, uh, thing on your times, even discouragement and different things that would try to, anybody ever get discouraged doing something? Huh? Yeah, we all, we all go through these things. Well, you know, discouragement tries to get, if you ever, when discouragement tries to get a hold of you, you know, it causes you to take a step back and to relax, maybe not keep pushing forward. Well, discouragement gets a hold of you. And, uh, you know, just because someone's called to certain office doesn't mean there's special grace on them to live. There's grace on them to do that job, but not to live their life. And so uh, Paul said, you know, great doors of utterance, effective door has been opened to us, but there's also a lot of uh, adversary. There's a lot of adversity involved. And so the enemy will always progress progress. He's always going to uh, uh, oppose and, and go against uh, what God is doing and what is happening in the church. You know, numerous, numerous church leaders were harassed in the New Testament. Peter and John, in Acts chapter 3, after they preached, what happened? They were immediately arrested. After that day, you know, all these people came to know the Lord. What happened? They were arrested, thrown in jail. Paul was arrested. He was arrested many times and beaten. Well, thank God we don't have that going on here, but, you know, there still is opposition that goes on. You know, there's still influence in our culture that wants the church to stay quiet. Yeah. I mean, there's still influence out there, pressure, certain things that you shouldn't talk about, certain things that shouldn't be discussed and shouldn't be ministered. Well, how many know that if it's in the word of God, we should talk about it? And, you know, sometimes it requires a, a little bit of boldness and some extra encouragement to do those things. I know, you know, I can send you there in, there in Canada and there's certain subjects that if he talks about, 
he, gets arrest, he can get arrested for if someone turns him in. Now, we don't have that happening here, but he can actually be arrested for talking about certain things in Canada. That's a free democratic society, quote unquote free, but he can be arrested for that. Well, thank God that doesn't happen here, but how many know there's still opposition against those things? And really, if we don't stand our ground as a church and continue to believe God, now we don't do it by picketing, we do it by believing God, right? Uh, if we don't do that, things can go that way here. And we don't want that to happen. We want the word of God to be free, but there's still pressure there. And so, you know, praying for them is an important thing uh, to make sure that, that these things uh, don't, don't, don't affect us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, in the 8th verse, good old Paul, I tell you, I want to shake his hand one day. Light Affliction Ministries, he went through it all, didn't he? In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of, the, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Now, do you think Paul might have been a little tempted to not even want to talk about this stuff? He probably was tempted to not talk about it because I'm sure there were some who might have thought, oh, Paul's having a pity party for himself. Well, you know, it, it was, he wanted to relay this. Why? So they could help him. There was a purpose for it. He said, we don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired or dis, yeah, despaired even of life. Now, I don't think Pastor and Pastor Andrew have ever been there. I've not been there. Uh, or Steve's there all the time. But um, uh, no, that, they was going through extreme pressure. And if you were to ask Pastor when they were building the church, if he was at this place, he might have told you yes. <laughs> A lot of pressure is involved in that, but they were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despised even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivers us, delivers us from so great a death and, deliver, and does deliver us, in whom we trust we, he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given, given by, by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Notice they were trusting in God to deliver them, but also you also helping together in prayer for us. They depended upon this. I don't know how clearly to say it, how important your prayers are for, for the health and well-being of the church, but also for those in leadership. Like I said, I feel like this is something is, is part of my responsibility to bring this up from time to time uh, because it is so vital that this be going on. It's so vital uh, that this be happening. And, and, you know, we want pastors who are praying for us, but it's also important that we're praying for them as well. Amen. And uh, Charles Spurgeon said this. Now, Charles Spurgeon was called the Prince of Pastors in the 1800s, probably one of the most famous pastors in modern times. I forget it was of a Baptist denomination in Europe. Uh, very successful. Uh, I will say this, you know, Charles Spurgeon died at 58 years old. That's way too early. That's way too early. And uh, have you know that, that what he said is what it, the, the quote I'm going to read is, is very true. Like I said, he was very successful, but... But, you know, when you have someone who's successful, the enemy targets that person. He said, the key to my success is that my congregation prays for me. He said, the key to my success is that my congregation prays for me. Now, Charles Spurgeon had a great influence, and, and amongst ministers, you know, his sermons are things that many read, and, and uh, he's very well known. And uh, I'm sure Charles Spurgeon received a great reward when he entered into heaven. 
But his congregation praying for him entered in and received part of that same reward because they were a key to his success. Amen. That's encouraging. That's a reason to pray because we get, to, we get to, to, to partake of those rewards as well. So are we doing that? Are you doing that? It's something we need to do. And I tell you, it's vital to us. So some things to pray for our pastors. Like I said, we're going to do this tomorrow night. And uh, if you don't come on Monday night prayer, you know, if you can come this week, that'd be great. We'd love to have you. Now, Steve and I are going to be in, in St. Augustine, so you don't think we're skipping out. Uh, we've got an RMAI meeting, but Amy will be here and, and leading prayer tomorrow night. But uh, some areas to pray for with them, and, and these are some that I have printed up a, a list of scriptures uh, that uh, would be kind of a guide for everybody. But uh, you can take one of those home with you when you come. But in Ephesians, the first chapter, he said, pray. Uh, and we'll just, we'll turn there. Ephesians chapter one. You've looked at a lot tonight, but we'll, we'll turn to these. Ephesians, the first chapter. And obviously this was what Paul was praying for them. Uh, but I know Brother Hagin said, you know, the, the biggest change in his ministry came when he started praying this for himself. Well, if Paul praying for them had an effect and Brother Hagin praying for himself had an effect, how much would it affect if we pray for our pastors along these lines? He said, Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in, my, in our prayers. This was an ongoing thing. That the God of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom, to give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of of your understanding being lightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and are the, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Notice the eyes, the a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of their understanding being lightened. If we're expecting wisdom, if we're expecting impartations of truth, we, we should be praying that they have those things as well. And, you know, we're all growing and moving along, and so we want to continue to be growing. We want them to continue to be growing and moving forward. Go over to Colossians, the first chapter. Colossians uh, chapter 1. Paul, once again, praying. These are such awesome prayers. In, uh, in the first chapter, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So praying for revelation is an important area. For them, they will continue to go, continue to see things and things become more clear to them. Go to the third chapter. In Colossians chapter three, the 16th verse. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in, dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Notice, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. And so another area is to pray for wisdom. The wisdom of Christ would dwell in them. And so praying for that is important. Spiritual wisdom, natural wisdom. All is needed. Thank you for that. I said all is needed. Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. Paul writing here, he said, uh, he said, in my speech and my preaching are not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, 
that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And one of the things we can be praying for them and should be praying for them is that their speech and their preaching would not be, not just be wise, humanly speaking, but be full of the power of God. Amen, that their words would be full of that and would be uh, 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 not just in, in of own, their own ability, but in demonstration of the power. Uh, and go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And I know this is a scripture that my dad reads over himself all the time. I do as well. In 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. Verse 10, it says, As each one of you has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God, the mouthpiece of God. You know, I, I can tell you when people are praying, I can tell a difference. And I know they can tell a difference as well, that when you speak it, would, there'd be unction behind it. There'd be utterance behind it. There'd be grace upon it. Amen. And so we can pray for that. Go over to the Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Have you ever been in service when a minister says something, it just completely answers a question you've had? Well, that should be happening more often. And we can pray that those things happen on a more regular basis. Amen? Yet we need to be open, but at the same point, we can pray for utterance as well. In Ephesians, the sixth chapter, it says... Uh, uh, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Verse 19, and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mysteries of the gospel. So he said praying that utterance would be given to him, but also that he would open his mouth boldly. Boldness is important. You know, those who've ministered on maybe on a Wednesday night, you know, getting up and talking, you, you can tell, you, you know that boldness oftentimes is needed to say what needs to be said. And so we want our pastors to be bold in what they say and how they minister. We can pray for that. Amen. And all of these things, if we're praying for it, we're op more open to receiving from it. If a person is not, is not open to receiving, I can tell their prayer life for that person is, is, is lower or, or less than what it should be. If you're praying along these lines, you'll be open to hearing these things as well. Uh, go over to Third John, the second chapter. Like I said, these are things we know, but, but being reminded of them is important, and actually following through with them is even more important. In Third uh, John, so we want to pray for boldness, but also want to pray just in natural things that they're, they're prospering. Third John, verse 2, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. Well, if that's good that... Paul or John here prayed that for them. I think it's good that we pray that for them as well. Amen. Prosper. Be in health just as their soul prospers. So it's a vital, vital thing. And then praying for protection falls under that as well. And uh, praying that, that God would protect them. And in 2 Thessalonians, he said, prayed that they would be delivered from unreasonable men. Yeah, delivered from unreasonable people. Sometimes those unreasonable people are sitting in the pews sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but being delivered from those situations and, and being free from those things. But you know, with all of this, you know, being led by the Holy Spirit in prayer is, is vital. 
being led by the Spirit of God is vital. You know, if you're sensitive, there'll be times that the Lord will quicken you to pray for them, pray for us, pray for Stephen and Rachel. He'll bring, he'll bring, us, on, bring us across your, into your attention. We'll be faithful of that. Yeah, be faithful to do that. You know, a lot of times the Lord leads me that way. I'll, I'll be driving down the road and suddenly somebody just pops before my mind. I suddenly just have a random, where did that come from? Well, I've learned to check my heart. Is there something I need to do there? Is there something that I need to pray out, something that needs to happen? And so when that happens, you know, uh, you can make it a part of your regular routine. At the same point, when the Lord brings uh, one of us before you, well, lead us, you know, or, or pray for us. Bring us up before the Lord, amen? Be sensitive to pray for your pastors. If you'll commit to do this and follow through, I guarantee you'll receive more from them. Amen? You'll receive more from them if you'll do it. Amen. Let's commit to lift them up in prayer while they're in California. I tell you, this next two weeks, they need us praying for them. So they need us praying for them the next couple of weeks. You know, I know they're, they're, they're out there giving, and, and when you're ministering that often, it is wearing on you physically. You know, I know a lot of times, even just ministering on a Sunday morning or Sunday night, you go home and... And you're just drained. You wouldn't think it'd be that draining, but it can be very draining. Don't you agree? I mean, it's, it's just draining. Well, you know, they're doing this for several hours a day. It's, it's very draining to do this, to be, to be giving out. And so, um, you know, ministering or praying for them while they do it is such a vital thing. But also, they're going to be out there with other ministers and, and that they're getting the impartations that they need. You know, uh, it's so important that, that they have these opportunities. That's why we're going to the RMAI thing tomorrow, because it's an opportunity to, to have some, some things imparted to us and get ministered to. And, and, um, and so we'll be diligent in this next couple of weeks, you know, to be praying for them while they're out there. Um, I, I believe it'll, it'll pay good, re- good rewards for them, but also pay good benefits for us, good dividends for us as well. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.